Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Revo, it is so good to see you this morning. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I know that you could have been in a thousand other places today, um, but you chose to come and be with us and to worship Jesus with us. And so for that, we're extremely grateful. Last week was just bonkers. Were you here last week? Let me see those. Were you here last week? Yes, you. There were people in the cheap seats in the top, man. It was crazy to see what God is doing. And so our North Campus is currently meeting in in Rural Hall right now. They're exploding up there. They're getting ready to add another morning service uh, to their rotation just to accommodate the amount of people. And so, man, we're just excited about what God is doing here and looking forward, really really believing that the best is, is yet to come. For, for our community and, and for our church. As uh, Pastor Stephen said earlier, we are kicking off a brand new teaching series uh, out of the book of Jonah today. And Jonah is one of those stories where even if you didn't grow up in church, like even if you're not a Bible reader, even if you're here today and this is your first time that you've been in church in a really long time, and if that's the case, man, we are so excited uh, that you would be here and, and be our, our first time special guest. Uh, this is one of those stories that a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, you don't have to have a big Bible background or have been exposed to it in, in the past. And it, it's really a story. It, it, it's, it's a story in Scripture of hide-and-seek. Uh, Jonah is playing hide-and-seek from God. Now, hide-and-seek is one of the games that I play with my girls. If you didn't know this, I have two little girls, uh, one named Leah uh, that looks just like her mom, and one named Lydia who looks just like her dad, and uh, hopefully she'll outgrow that. Um, But uh, that's going to be bad. That's going to be bad later. But um, one of the games that we like to play is hide-and-seek. And so everyone in my family plays the game of hide-and-seek differently. Lydia, my youngest daughter, she's three, she is convinced that if she cannot see you, That means you cannot see her. And so when I say, okay, Lydia, we're going to go play hide and seek, I'm going to start counting and you run and go hide. Here's what she does. She goes, she walks over to the nearest wall and she stands up against the wall and does this. And she's like, dad, there's no way dad can see me right now. I'm the best hider ever. And of course, I'm just, I'm, I'm playing along with it, just, just quite what good dads do, right? And so I'll look around her and say, I wonder where Lydia is. And I'll bump into her and say, I can't find her anywhere. She's the best hider ever. And then she laughs, which I think she also thinks that I can't hear her when we play hide and go seek as well, because <laughs> she laughs and giggles. And, and so that's my three-year-old. My, my oldest daughter, she has some really good hiding spots, but she only has four of them. And she uses the same four every time. And so the first four times we played, it was really hard. But now I can go. One of the four places that that she plays hide-and-go-seek, I can find her immediately. Now my wife plays hide-and-seek differently. My wife will bring our kids together and say, Okay, girls, you go and hide, and I will count. I will stay here on the couch downstairs. You hide upstairs. I will count, and then I will come find you. And when Elizabeth gets to ten, she does not move. She's like, if I can just get five minutes of quiet. Of peace, and you can hear my daughters upstairs. Mom, can you find us? And Elizabeth's like, "Keep hiding. I'm still looking. Don't come back down here until I find you." Love it. 
And then I am the reigning house champion of hide-and-go-seek in my house because I'm the only one that knows how to climb on top of the washing machine and to close the doors and hold the doors closed from the inside of the closet. So even if you find me, you can't find me in there. We love, we love to play hide-and-seek, but this is ultimately what, what Jonah does in this story. He tries to play hide-and-seek with God. He says no to God and, and walks in the other direction. And there are some points that I think for us this morning we can learn uh, from, from this game of hide and seek. Some, some warnings that I want to throw your way. Maybe you're here today and, and, and that's your story. I'm running from God. I've told him no. I, I know what God's called me to do. I know the life that he's called me to live. But I just, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to go that route. I don't want to go down that path. And, and before you start going to the extremes, like some of you are like, well, you know, Jonah ran far away and disobeyed God. Like Your story may not be as intense and as large as Jonah's, but, but come on, let, let's face it. Every one of us at, at some point in our lives have told God no. Whether it was a straight out no or, or whether we read scripture and we know what God has called us to do, we know the, the message that he's called us to proclaim. We know the life that he's called us to live. And maybe we don't look up at God and say, nope, not doing it. Maybe it's just a subtle way of us turning and going in a different direction. Or knowing what's right and knowing what God's called us to do, but, but doing the exact opposite. And so I think we can learn a lot. I know there's been times in my life where I, I was a Jonah. Basically telling God no and walking in the opposite direction. So if you have your Bible, let's do Jonah. You can put a bookmark in, in, in the book of Jonah. We'll be here as we walk through this book together for the next four weeks. And we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1, and try to pick out some things in this book that will benefit us, that we'll be able to learn from a man that tried to run from God, a man that told God no, a man that challenged the creator of the world to the ultimate game of hide-and-seek. Verse 1 reads like this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. Listen to this. After paying the fare... Man, we're going to come back to that. Underline it, circle it, highlight it, star it. After Jonah paid the ticket to get on the boat, he went aboard and sailed from Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Here's how it works. Jonah was a prophet. That means he was a preacher that God would call to a specific location with a specific message. And we read Jonah's specific job here. God wants to send Jonah to Nineveh to preach and say, it's a simple message. Hey, listen, the way that they're living their lives, the things that's going on, it's, it's against the ways of God. And so, Jonah, I want you to go down there, and I want you to tell them they need to, to turn from that. They need to come back to God, or it's not going to end well for them. It's, gonna be, it's just going to be bad, bad news for the city of Nineveh. Here's the problem. Jonah wasn't trying to have any of that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is uh, in current day, uh, modern day Mosul, Iraq. So this is the north part of Iraq. You know it's hot over there, right? Jonah may have looked up in God and said, Nineveh? No, you know the weather is horrible in Nineveh. I don't want to go to Nineveh. It's hot down there. It, I start sweating. I'm not good with sweat. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to go there. At, at the year 615 B.C., Nineveh was actually the largest city in the world. Maybe, maybe... Jonah looked up at God and said, you know how bad the traffic is in Nineveh? 
It is so bad. It's the biggest city around here. I don't want to sit in that traffic. I don't want to do that. Don't, don't send me to Nineveh. God, there's nothing to do in Nineveh. There's nothing fun. There's no restaurants. There's no putt-putt golf. There's no water parks. There's no museums. There's, there's, nobody wants to go to Nineveh, God. And so he looks at God and in essence says, I'm not going. I don't, I don't want to go there. And, and I think it's interesting that Jonah doesn't just tell God no. Jonah turns around and goes in the opposite direction of where God called him. See, Nineveh was about 550 miles north of where Jonah currently was. And Tarshish was 2,500 miles south. So Jonah looked at the map and said, Oh, you've called me here? Let me find the furthest spot away from where you've called me, and I'll go there. And verse 3 is so telling. Scripture says, Jonah paid the fare to go to Tarshish. Jonah had to open up his wallet and pay the money to get on that boat to to run away from God. Here's the first lesson that we can learn. Whenever you run from God, you always pay the price. You always pay the price when you say no to God. When I was growing up, my family went on vacation twice a year. We would go to the beach during the summer, and then we would come up to the mountains during the fall when the leaves were changing. And my dad uh, had some friends that, that owned condos at the beach and also cabins in the, in the mountains. And so our family would do that twice a year. Now, when my dad would go on vacation and take our families, not one time did I ever ask myself, who's paying for this? Because when I was with my dad, he always took care of it. My dad never looked at me and said, hey, y'all going to throw in on the hotel? We never went out to dinner, and my, my dad said, okay, the mother and me, we're together. I don't know who's paying for them, but we are together. <laughs> like, put these two on the same bill. Like, never did that. When my brother and I would go to the beach, and you get those little souvenirs or whatever you want to buy, my dad always bought that stuff for us. We never had to worry about who's, like, my dad never said, who, who do you think is going to pay for this? He never did that. Now, when I was a senior in high school, my buddies and I wanted to go down to the beach for spring break. And so my dad said, hey, man, great, you know, be safe, uh, have a good time, you know, keep your head on straight. But, but hey, just a heads up, if you go to the beach, that's on you. And I had, I had two jobs when I was in high school, so I was saving up my money. And, 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 but, but here's the thing, when I went to the beach on spring break with my buddies, I paid for the gas. I, I threw in on the hotel room. When we went out to eat, not one time did my dad pop in from the back and say, hey, let me grab that bill for you. I don't want you guys to have to pay for it. Not one time. Like When, when we hung out, when we played putt-putt, when we did certain things together, dad said, that's fine for you to go, but that's on you. Not one time when I ever traveled with my father did he not pick up the tab. But when I made the decision to go on my own, it always cost me. Same thing for us today. Did you know that God has a plan for your life? That God has a path? That God has a purpose? And listen to me, as long as you follow God, as long as you say yes to what he's called you to do, he will always provide. He will always make sure every one of your needs are met. You will never make a stop on God's path for your life and look around and say, God, do you know I'm here? How am I going to pay for this? What's going to happen? But here's the thing. When we look at God and say no, When we look at God and say, you know what, I think I want to go on my path. I want to go on a trip by myself. I'm with you because of free will. God's going to say, you can do whatever you want to do, but here's the deal. You pay the tab. It's going to cost you. 
See, God had a plan for Jonah's life to go to Nineveh. But the minute that Jonah said no, it began to cost him. The first step to turning away from God, Scripture says, and Jonah had to pull out his wallet. Jonah had to pay his own way. I'm telling you, saying no to God will cost you every single time. It'll cost you. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you relationships. It will cost you joy. It will cost you happiness. It will cost you fulfillment in life. It it, it is going to cost you. When you and I play a game of hide and seek with God, when we say no to him, let's learn from what happened to Jonah. It will always cost us. God's got a plan for your life. And when we say no, we end up having to pick up the tab. It's the first thing that Jonah had to do. Let's keep going in verse 4. It says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship that Jonah had just paid to get on threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Jonah was playing hide-and-seek. And we, we laugh at that, right? Because we, we think about what Jonah's did, and we say, there's no, there's no way you can run. Are you running from the creator of the world? Do you really think that you can hop on a ship and God's going to say, where did he go? wonder where Jonah is. I can't find him anywhere. I thought I was supposed to meet him in Nineveh, and he's not here. What's going on here? We laugh at a story like that, but we've tried that before. We've tried running from God. We've tried hiding from God. There's been things about our life or in our life that we're convinced that I'll just keep it hidden over here and God will never know and no one will ever find out. And There's no way that he knows what's going on. And Sometimes we can laugh at this story and make fun of Jonah for thinking that he can outrun God, but we've tried it before. Maybe you're running right now. Maybe that's you. You're in, the, you're in the boat just trying to, trying to dodge God, just trying to, trying to keep the damage to a minimal because you know you've said no or you, you know you've walked away or you know you've, God's called you to something, but you continue to avoid it. Maybe that's you. So we, we laugh at Jonah now, but we've all had seasons in our life where we've said no, where we've hidden from God. Here's the next lesson that we can learn when Jonah got on the ship to head away from where God called him to be, he ran into a storm. If you choose today to say no to God, if you choose to hide, if you choose to run, that's your choice. But I'm just going to warn you right now, expect bad weather. Expect storms in your life. Expect storms in your relationship, in your finances, at your job, in your home, with your kids, with your spouse. Like, Don't be surprised if you say no and you turn around to run. Don't be surprised if you choose not to live the life that God has called, not to walk the path that God has instructed us. Don't be surprised if you run into some storms. Don't be surprised when life gets hard, when life gets difficult, and you're constantly being torn down and and beaten up, and you're like, why is this happening? What's going on? There's consequences for us if we choose not to follow the plan that God has for our life, and that is 100% within your free will to do that. You can make the decision today to say no. 
You can make the decision today to turn around and run in the opposite direction of what God's called you to do. But just don't be surprised when you face storms. Don't be surprised when there's turmoil in different areas of your life. And I want to offer you some encouragement today. Did you, did you know that God hasn't designed your life to be stormy? That, that, that God doesn't take great joy when your life is off the rails, when you're struggling and in pain, when you're searching for answers and wanting to know what's up. You know God doesn't take joy in that, right? You know that's not the plan that God has for you, right? He had a plan for, for Jonah, but Jonah ended up turning in the opposite direction. So the story goes on and says the men that were on the top of the ship, they were going crazy. I mean, they were, they were calling out to every god they know, the god of the sea, the god of the land, the god of the sky, the god of the rain, the god of the ship. Like, do you have any other gods? We'll call out to them right now. I mean, we're desperate. They're looking around them. They're throwing luggage overboard. Is this your suitcase? Well, it's not anymore. Like, we don't need it. I hope you got another pair of change of clothes to roll with because like, we got to get everything off the boat. And they're, they're desperate. They don't, they're going crazy. They don't know anything else to do. And then kind of one of them noticed, he's like, hey, is, it, is there a guy downstairs? Get him up here, man. Let, see if he, Jonah, do you have a favor that you can call in? Like, I don't know if, you, if the tab uh, between you and God means, like, he owes you one, but can you call it in right now? Because we, we are getting ready to die. Jonah, do you know anything going on? Is there something you're hiding from us? Is, is something going on? Is, is God mad at you? Is that why we're experiencing that? then there's that awkward moment where Jonah's like, uh, well, actually, what had happened uh, was back, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running. Me and God are actually, actually playing a game of, of hide and seek, and I guess he found me. They begin to, to call out, say, what, what can we do? What's, what's going on? Here, verse 11 reads like this. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked Jonah, what should we do? to you to make the sea calm down for us. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Jonah admits to it. He says, yeah, my God is mad at me. My God sent this storm my God, because of my disobedience, I'm finding myself in this position. But here's what I want you to notice. Jonah said no, and now the men in the boat are in danger. Did you know that when you say no to God, it not only makes you experience pain, but it can affect those around you as well? Do you know that you saying no to God right now can have an effect on your spouse? It can have an effect on your kids? and on your family, and on your other relationships. These men had done nothing wrong. But because Jonah was disobedient, because Jonah said no, because Jonah wanted to go run and hide, now every man in the boat was getting ready to lose their life. Hey, if you think that you saying no to God won't have an effect on other people around you, you're wrong. If you think that it's just between you and God that your family won't be hurt, that your friends, that your finances, that your relationships, that your job, that, that any other relationships that you have, if you think those are totally separate from your walk with Jesus, you're wrong. All of those things take a, a, a hit when we choose to run from God. 
When we choose to say no to the life that God has called us to, to the path, to the destination that God has for us. There's another a lesson from Jonah's running. Running from God not only affects you, but it affects other people around you as well. Do you, do you really want to take that risk? Do you really want to say no this morning and risk your spouse and your family and your friends' hardship? And do, do you really want to walk away from God today knowing that it could have collateral damage on everyone around you? Do you really want to do that? Jonah realized that now that he had said no, now that he was disobedient, now that he closed the door, now that he was running away, that now all of a sudden it's affecting everyone around him as well. Verse 15 and 16. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows for them. I find these two verses really encouraging kind of tells us who God really is and really how powerful and how in control of life he is. Because here's the lesson. Even when Jonah was disobedient, God still used his life to draw others to him. Just two verses ago, these are the same men that were, that were praying to the God of the ocean, the God of the air, the God of the ship, the God of the rain, the God of anything. And Jonah sits down and says, yes, actually, my God, the one true God, is the one that is here to stop me, the one that is calling me out on my disobedience, the one that is calling me not to run and hide anymore. Sure enough, they pitched Jonah overboard. Immediately, the storm stopped. And what they do? They worshiped. They, they saw what Jonah did and what he said and realized, this guy must be the real deal. The God that he worshipped, like we just tossed him overboard and now the storm is gone. Now there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's, there's no more anxiety. We, we're saved. This must be the one true God. Do you know that God can take your disobedience and turn it into someone else's obedience? God can use your life. This is just how powerful he is. This is just how much he knows what he's doing. Even when you and I run, he can take our life and our story and use it to draw other people towards himself. He can take our helplessness and hopelessness and turn it into hope for someone else. He can take our life off the path and use it to draw someone else's life back to the path. Even in Jonah's ultimate act of disobedience, God says, hey, I'll tell you what, let me, let me show you how I can use this to get more people to me. Let me show you how I can do something in your life, even as you run away from me, to get people to come towards me and to know me more. It's a powerful God. That's the God that we worship. That even in our act of disobedience, he can use that to draw people towards himself and remind us of who we really are. Verse 17, last verse, says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Next week, we're going to pick that story up in verse 17 again, but I want to I leave you with something. As the band comes up now, we're going to have a time, just, just a time of reflection. I, I don't want us to leave not having wrestled with what our response to this word should be. 
I, I don't want to just come in here and hear a good sermon and sing some good songs without saying, all right, God, what does this have to do with me? What are you calling me to do? What do I need to change? How do I need to get back on the path that you've called me to, the life and the purpose that you have? And, and, and I want to challenge you with this. I'd be willing to bet that in verse 1, when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, if Jonah knew that he was going to have to pay a bunch of money for a boat ticket, if Jonah knew that he was going to get in a boat and almost lose his life, if Jonah knew in verse 2 that he was going to spend three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, I guarantee you Jonah would have said, you know, Nineveh's not that bad. I think I'll go. But here's the problem. Jonah did not know what was on the other side of his no. And that's the danger for us this morning. You and I don't know what's on the other side of our no. You don't know that this morning saying no to God, I can't throw a list up on screen that says, all right, if you say no to God, then these five things are going to happen. And if these five things aren't that bad, then like roll with it. Just say no. Like That, that doesn't seem that bad. I think I'm going to choose. That's the problem. We don't know. We don't know what kind of pain we're going to face by saying no this morning. We don't know what relationships are going to struggle and suffer because of our no. We don't know how much longer our life is going to be in the storm, in the midst of disaster, by saying no. Jonah didn't know that at the end of the day, he would find himself in the belly of a fish. But I have a feeling if he'd have known that, his no would have been a yes when God called. This morning, I can't tell you what it's going to cost you. But I can tell you, though, that by saying no to God, it will cost you. I can't tell you that, that you can't run from God because a lot of people are running from God today. But I can tell you this, you may be able to run from God, but you can't outrun God. Eventually, he finds you. Eventually, you reach a point in your life where you're in the bottom of the ship. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's you today. And you know the danger that Jonah found himself in the bottom of the ship? Jonah was sleeping. He didn't even realize the storm was raging. Sometimes when we go through our life and the storm is raging and in our relationships and in our marriage and with our kids and with our finances, sometimes life gets bad for so long that we just begin to accept it. We walk away and say, well, you know what? Maybe my relationships will always be bad. Maybe I'll always struggle in this area. Maybe people will always treat me like this. Maybe my life will just be a constant mess up, always. Maybe this is just who I am. Maybe the storm is raging and you've accepted it this morning. And you've just gone down to the bottom of the boat to sleep thinking there's nothing I can do. There's no way to change it. God doesn't like me. He wants my world to be in turmoil. But I want to remind you of the reason why God sent the storm to interrupt Jonah. He wasn't punishing him. He loved him. He said, Jonah, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose that's so much better than Tarshish. And so I'll send a storm to get your attention. I'll send a storm to help you understand that what I have for you is so much better. Don't get used to the storm. Don't just chalk it up as like, well, I guess this is just how hard my life is going to be. Spend some time now saying, God, how do I need to turn back to you 
What areas of my life have I gotten off the path? Like, God, you've called me to this. I know this is what you've called me to, but I'm running in the total opposite direction. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. He'll find you. Maybe this morning you're hit with the reality that God has done so much for you. God has provided for you, and as long as you stay on his path, then God always provides. Maybe our response this morning as the offering baskets get passed later in the service is we just say, hey God, thank you for always providing. Thank you for always meeting my needs. Thank you for always paying the way. As long as I walk with you, thank you for making all this possible. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. God has a path that he's called us to, and I hope that we can learn from a a silly game of hide-and-seek that Jonah tried to play from God, that God's got something greater, that God has something better, that through Jesus, when we are found by God and stop running, that we find a God that welcomes us with open arms and an unconditional love that says, get back to where I've called you to be. Get back to the life that I've promised you. And let's see what happens when we turn away from Tarshish and head towards what God has called us to as a family together.